Law Enforcement Today radio show. I'm your host. My name's John J. Wiley. In addition to being a radio broadcaster, I'm a retired police sergeant. For the latest news articles and much more, check out our website, letradioshow.com. In the Law Enforcement Today show, we'll be joined by special guests. We'll be talking about their experiences and issues affecting law enforcement officers, first responders, their families, their community, and victims of horrendous crimes. Be sure to like us on Facebook. Our page is Law Enforcement Today Radio Show. Check out the daily articles on our website, letradioshow.com. And while you're there, download our free app. The Law Enforcement Today Show is brought to you in part by Transformations Treatment Center. Many are using the term epidemic to describe the current problem of drug and or alcohol abuse in the United States. Virtually everyone we know has been negatively impacted by this problem. Yet for so many that are experiencing the devastating effects of drug and or alcohol abuse, they don't know who to turn to for help. Who can we trust to care for our loved ones? Transformations Treatment Center is one of the most respected, ethical, and professional drug and alcohol treatment centers in the world with a strong focus on individualized care, offering a wide range of holistic, specialized, and medically supervised treatment programs. We know that many of you have questions. Take the time to call Transformations Treatment Center for the answers. 888-991-9725. That's 888-991-9725. Or go online to transformationstreatment.center. Calling us from South Carolina, we have Travis House on the phone. Travis is, man, he's got a very eclectic story. He is a former law enforcement officer. He's a military veteran, and he's a stand comedian. Did I miss anything, Travis? Oh uh, yeah, you did. I'm a actually former firefighter as well. A former firefighter, and you've also written books too, haven't you? Yeah, but I actually just um, just released a book called Create Your Own Light. And it's a story about finding post-traumatic purpose, and it's um, geared towards military, first responders, um, anyone who's had any kind of traumatic event in their life and or depression, anxiety, uh, anything like that. And it's actually taken off and doing very well. I got to tell you, you make me feel like such an underachiever. My wife says I work seven days a week, and you, you must be like, do you sleep at all? (laughs) I try to, man, but it's tough. It's really hard getting it in. It's so much to do, but... I understand if you got a passion and it becomes your mission, which we're going to talk about in your story, why you're so motivated, that it it kind of blurs the lines between an eight to four job or nine to five job. It's like a twenty four seven job. Yeah, you can't beat it. I've done, you know, I've, I've held the the shift positions. I've, you know, I was in emergency services for you know what ten and a half years before I got injured, and and I was told I could no longer uh, do the job. I've, I've owned businesses on the side when I was a firefighter. I've, you know, I went to school full-time while I was doing that. Um, I was a comedian full-time while I was doing that. So I've worn many, many hats. And I'm going to tell you what, there's nothing like working for yourself at this point in, in my life. I, I love it because I work as much as I want or as little as I want. And you're a lot younger than me, but I echo the same sentiment. There's nothing like being your own boss. It, that doesn't mean I still don't have a boss. I do. My wife's a boss. Uh, I have bosses at the radio station, but I have my own thing, the Law Enforcement Today Show. You know, look, I work on this seven days a week, but it's something that, that I'm driven to do. And it doesn't even feel like work when it, when it's like that. And you can't I tell people that all the time. They look at me like I'm crazy. I'm telling you, when you enjoy something so much, you will do it all day, every day, 24-7, and it never feels like work. 
Now, before we get into our conversation about you, your story, what you're doing now, tell us where people get more information about you. So my website, first and foremost, it's just my name. It's www.travis, T-R-A-V-I-S, house, H-O-W-Z-E.com. But I'm also rebuilding my Instagram. There's a story behind it. I had to, I deleted all my social media a long time ago, but I'm rebuilding it because I'm back on the road speaking and doing comedy all over the country. But my Instagram is my name, Travis, T-R-A-V-I-S, Howes, H-O-W-Z-E. And I'd appreciate it if people would go there just to give me a follow. And you can certainly see what all I'm, what, everything that I'm doing now. Well, I would certainly do that as well. And by the way, the whole social media thing, I'm telling you, I can understand deleting stuff. There are days where it plucks my last nerve. I've gotten better about doing what I have to do and not even looking at the comments anymore. You know, I talk about working for yourself and being stress-free, but that is the one area that is so stressful. Social media will wreck your life. My wife has it. to you... talk me off the ledge all the time. She's like, because I'm ready to go, oh, yeah, and another thing, and you're this, and you're that. And I know something going to screen capture it and put it out there. Look what this guy said. Yes, man. It's Everybody has an opinion. Everybody has that megaphone, which is their voice on social media, everything it's so polarizing and it is aggravating and it's and it's necessary though we have to have it to do what we do yeah but then sometimes when you look on there it's crazy it is nuts so you're rebuilding all your social media platforms as we speak yeah you know and and they're doing very well i have i have a good following on all of them because what what happened with me and we can get into this later is um when i was a stand-up comedian i was Man, I was touring the world doing shows all, literally all over the world, doing it for the troops overseas, doing it every comedy venue here in the United States, doing private venues, colleges, you name it. I was doing them, working with A-list celebrities. I mean, it was just the time of my life, but I also was married at the time, and I had a, one kid and another kid on the way, and I was never home, Jay. I was on the road 40 weeks a year for six years straight. So to be a better father and husband, I thought, well, let me give this up and go into normal life. And that's what I did. And in normal life, I found out really quickly is the worst. So when I quit comedy, I deleted all my social media, but I've been back at it for a while now. I, I decided I'm not going to live a normal life. I'm going to go back and do what I do. I just need to find a better balance. So when I came back to it and got into motivational speaking as well about my story and everything, my, my social media started building really quickly. Well, let's go to the beginning. You're a military veteran. What branch did you serve in? Uh, United States Marine Corps. Well, thank you for your service. And when were you in? So I went in in 1996, right after high school, and I got out in 2000 before all of the big wars. Okay. All right. Um, but here's the thing, and I, I say this all the time for people. I've noticed that there is a sentiment with some veterans that go, you know, but I never served. I never saw combat. So it, what I went through wasn't that. But look, you signed up. And it wasn't your call whether you were sent to fight or not. You were prepared to do that. So I appreciate that very, very much. After leaving the Marine Corps, you started in public service, right? Yeah, so after after the Marine Corps, and it's, you know, it's just like you said too, Jay, it's, you know, a lot of folks get into law enforcement and, and they never get in a shooting. That doesn't make them any less of a cop. You right. know what I mean? So Exactly. Uh, yeah, so, and I, and I signed up to be in infantry. I was in infantry for four years. And it just wasn't, um, the timing was just a little bit off. So when I got out, the Marines in 2000, I, I really liked law enforcement, but I, I my youth drew me to the fire side of it because um, I, I hung around fire stations a lot when I was little, just like a lot of young men. And, um, you know, that's where I was introduced to my first firefighter fatality when I was just 15 years old. Um, and that's why I talk about post-traumatic stress the way that I do. I, was, I had a lot of childhood trauma. 
I lost a good friend to um, gun violence when I was 12. And then, you know, I, I, another friend of mine when I was 12, his father shot him in the arm and then shot his mother in the face, shot his grandmother in the face, then turned his gun on himself. This was my baseball coach and a really good friend of ours. Um, and he killed himself. And what do you and say I to was, that? There's, when people say things like that to me, I struggle because, Travis, I don't know how to reply. And years of police work didn't train me for that. There's right. no there's no way of saying, sorry to hear that. Whatever you say sounds so inadequate, but that's the hand you were dealt as a youngster. Yeah, you're right, Jay. And that's so when I when I talk about these things, when I when I deliver these professional speeches, and, you know, and I talk about trauma, a lot of a lot of emergency service personnel they're exposed to early childhood trauma, whether it be physical violence, whether it be mental violence, um, sexual abuse, and or actual trauma like I was exposed to. I was I was working a job site when I was 14, a construction site. And uh, to make a long story short, the foreman there tried to, um, I guess, pretty much molest me. He was trying to bait me into that. And when I wouldn't, he, he, uh, a 17-year-old kid that we worked with ended up killing himself. And I knew that kid very well. And one can only think, imagine what, what happened and why he did that. So, and there's an old saying, therefore the grace of God go I. There's only one show like ours, the Law Enforcement Today radio show. And on Facebook, there's only one official page. Do a search on Facebook for Law Enforcement Today radio show. That's Law Enforcement Today radio show on Facebook. When you get there, click like and follow. This is the Law Enforcement Today show. We are talking with Travis House. And we've got so much to talk about. I promise you, you don't want to miss any of it. We'll be right back. Finally, our heroes have access to a world-class program for PTSD, anxiety, depression, and more. The Help for Our Heroes program at Transformations Treatment Center provides a comprehensive range of treatments for substance abuse, addiction, co-occurring mental health disorders, and PTSD. Plus, they offer complete treatment for mental health issues for those without substance abuse problems. In addition to multiple rehabilitation and holistic treatments for all those suffering from substance abuse problems, the Help for Our Heroes program at Transformation Treatment Center is a nationally acclaimed Veterans and First Responders Treatment Program, where law enforcement, firefighters, veterans, and all first responders receive the separate and highly specialized treatment they need. Got questions? They have the answers at the Help for Our Heroes program at Transformations Treatment Center. Call 888-991-9725. 888-991-9725. That's 888-991-9725. Online at helpforourheroes.com. Return conversation with Travis House. Travis is a stand-up comedian. He is a, a speaker, a motivational speaker. He's an author. He's a former firefighter, former law enforcement officer, and a United States Marine Corps veteran. Did I miss anything, Travis? Man, I could have said I'm a volunteer at the Salvation Army. I'm a captain over there. <laughs> he, he rings the bell at Christmas time too. The guy does everything. Uh, Tendonitis is killing me in my elbows. Before we went to break, you, you're talking about. And, and you, you're a guy who's gone through a lot of trauma. And by the way, that's a term that is thrown around quite a bit. And, and my wife, who I met years after retiring from police work, we're sitting here binge watching during the whole COVID thing, different television shows. And she started watching The Wire, which is where I policed. And I policed in a lot of the areas where that show was filmed and set. And she's like, is that the way it really was? And I'm saying parts of it were, a lot of it's exaggerated. 
but it really does not portray the amount of violence that we saw on a daily basis. And so when you talk about trauma, talking about people being burned by loved ones, I'm talking about house fires, I'm talking about shootings, stabbings, people being hit in the head with old phone receivers, baseball bats, it never ended. I'm not talking just about the trauma that was directed at us. I'm talking about what we experience on a daily basis. And so that term, trauma, has a profound effect on anybody that I believe works in uh, military for a long enough period of time. And public service, our firefighters, our corrections officers, our, our police officers, our sheriff's deputies, law enforcement, they see it and they don't get a break from it. You're right, Jay. I, you know what, I, I, when I speak, uh, I was just, I was just at, uh, in Jacksonville, Florida, and I was speaking with the Jacksonville Sheriff's Office down there, and I had the, the pleasure of, uh, one of their recruit classes were about, was about to graduate, so I had the pleasure of going in and talking to them, too. And you talk about line-of-duty deaths and how that affects a lot of people, but what a lot of people don't understand is not every law enforcement officer or not every firefighter is going to experience line-of-duty deaths during their career. Thank goodness. It's hard enough. But what they ultimately will experience is, the along the line of duty death and what that means to me it's over the years of the exposure of the things that we are exposed to the person that we once were dies along the way absolutely absolutely i'm not the same guy i'll never be like i was when i was 18 again Uh, and i'm okay with that i won't be the same guy i was when i was in my 30s anymore either and i'm okay with that but it took a lot of work to get here and it took a lot of work to get damaged for lack of better words it took a, many years yeah it, it takes a long time man. It, and, and it the life becomes so normal you don't even see it coming with all the traumas and everything we just experience daily and we slowly start shutting down over time start pushing people away start drinking a little bit more alcohol and before you know it we're miserable people a lot of us and, and we put on a mask when we have to go around into the public and a lot of us don't really want to be there but we're drugged there through significant others or whatnot. I'm speaking from personal experience. And when you signed up to do the job, you didn't think that it was going to kill your soul the way it does. And that's why I'm an advocate for mental health. And it's like, look, we have to take care of our mental health just as much as we take care of our physical health, if not more, so we can have some longevity in this career and beyond. One of the things, there's also some differences, subtle differences. People will say, what was the, the, the one big thing that pushed you over the edge? And I don't like that line of thinking because there's there's something that we all go through. There's cumulative effects of all the years of what you've been through. And then for some of us, there's what we call the critical incidents, the, the big deals. You, in your career, went through one of those highly critical incidents that was very traumatic. Can you talk about that? Yeah, certainly. That's what I do. I, I speak about it very often. And um, that's what my book revolves around. It's not just the cumulative events, which I like to call the stacking effect of trauma, where one event, we stack it on top of another and another and another. And before you know it, after a, a career, you have thousands of traumatic events. But you have that one major event that will cause everything to just tip over at some point. In my event, I was a the fire in 2007 in Charleston, South Carolina, that killed nine of our brother firefighters. Uh, I was in that fire. All, of my, all nine of those guys were my really good friends. One of them was my personal, my best friend, actually. And I was assigned to the body recovery team that night to go in and get those guys. And we we searched all night in that building to find every single one of them. Um, And I had to deal with the after effects of going in, finding my friends who were all burnt to death. 
in dealing with what I saw that night and packaging them up in body bags and, and bringing them out. I mean, sorry to sound morbid, but that's what it is. And that's how real this job can get and how fast it can happen. And here we go with another of those scenarios where there's no proper response. When you tell me that, I, I want to say something to try to make it better, but I can't. You can't make it... You can't make it vanish. You can't make it go away. You can't go back in time and prevent what occurred. And all we can do is find a way to live with a useful purpose afterwards, or the choices are to suffer miserably for years and then die early. Yeah, that's right. And, that's, and so that's why, you know, you see the suicide rate spiking in the emergency services. And it's no secret. It's all of a sudden the spotlight's been sh- shined down on it. This has been going on for years. Uh, it's just now it's finally being talked about to where we're really seeing just how catastrophic it's getting for our men and women that serve in whatever capacity, whether it be fire, police, paramedics, you know, military. I mean, it's, it's a horrible thing, and, and it's only one of those. It's one of those things that only we understand if we've been through that. You know, it's that invisible wound you hear so much about. You can't see what's wrong with somebody. You can't see the damage that has been has their brain has been through. Uh, just because they don't have, wear a scar, a visible scar, does not mean they're not suffering. And you can't the old saying people just snap out of it. Go back. Why can't you be like you used to be? Or why can't you be like so and so? You know, he's the same job as you. It's not that simple. It's not that easy. And, and things get bad for all of us to some degree or another. When things got bad for you, how bad did they get? Oh, man, how much time we have. Well, I'll tell you what. That's going to be a a segment in and of itself. We'll talk about that when we return. I want to say this. For someone who has been through this, and I've had many guests on this show. I've had firefighters. I've had EMTs. I've had lots of police. I've had spouses of officers who died in line of duty. I've had spouses of officers who, who died by suicide. And all of them have horrific stories to tell. One of the things that I find to be vitally important about this, and I sense this from you, Travis, is that a lot of the inspiration that everybody can use is in how they get to rebuild their lives to their new life. I'm saying it's all better. I'm not saying it's all good. It's just different. And that's what I think we ought to focus more on. How is your life today? My life today is better than it's ever been, and that's you just hit the nail on the head. We can rebuild this thing. It's like buying an old beat-up house and going in there and tearing it all down and building it from the ground up again. We can do that with our minds. The problem is we have to have the courage to admit that and to see that we are damaged and to address it the appropriate way, not the inappropriate way, which which I did for many years. And once you rebuild it, you will be the strongest version of yourself ever imaginable. And I cannot ex- explain how wonderful it feels. We're talking with Travis House, and by the way, for anybody that's suffering, military, first responder, veteran, law enforcement officer, uh, check out helpforourheroes.com. This is the Law Enforcement Today Show. The place to be online is our Facebook page. Do a search on Facebook for Law Enforcement Today Radio Show. You'll get access to unique news articles, editorials, and so much more. Don't go anywhere. We will be 
the podcasting world, there's a huge amount of interest in true crime stories, but very few tell the stories of the heroes that fight horrific crime, whether it be law enforcement officers or everyday citizens. So we decided to start a podcast called True Crime Fighters, where we tell their stories. Each episode is no more than 15 minutes long. Do a Google search for True Crime Fighters Podcast, or be sure to check us out and like us on Facebook. Just search for True Crime Fighters. Return conversation with Travis House. Travis is a former law enforcement officer, former firefighter, a U.S. Marine Corps veteran. He's an author, a stand-up comedian, and a motivational speaker. As if that's not enough, he also has a great website, Travis House, H-O-W-Z-E dot com. Travis, before we went to break, you said we need more time uh, to talk about when things got bad for you. How bad was it? Um, it reached a point, Jay, where I was sitting sitting in my house, and you know, to put things bluntly, I was uh, my gun in my mouth, ready to kill myself, and I had just felt so abandoned and alone, and I felt on a on, on like I was on this island, and the years of trauma had caught up to me, and I just felt I had nowhere to go because you know that that the culture that we come from and I'm it's changing now, but it's not changing fast enough. It's more of that suck it up culture, right? Suck it up and deal with it. And I yeah. understand why when we came into that our 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 predecessors tried to instill that in us. But I look at it differently now and I think that suck it up, I think we're we're killing more of our own than what we're helping because our our minds, our brains are like a water balloon. You can only put so much water into a water balloon. Now if you associate that balloon with your brain and the water is trauma. If you fill it to max capacity, it's going to explode, right? And there, so you, therefore, you only have three options. You can either cut back on the trauma, which means step away from the job for a while. You can let your brain explode from putting too much trauma and not getting help. Or you can squeeze that balloon, let some of that trauma out, so you'll have more space to put other traumas in later in life. And by that, I mean seeking help, doing the right thing and talking about it and, and getting the necessary help. Like, I didn't get that in time. So when you ask how bad it got for me, it cost me my career in emergency services, and it I, I became physically violent with everybody at work uh, to the point where I was assaulting various members of my fire department. And believe it or not, that's not uncommon. No, not people, because I wanted to. People I, say this all the time. They'll say, well, did you see what that cop did in that video? Did you see what that firefighter did? They, they totally lost it, and they're swinging on people. And there was a time where I'd say, oh, that's a bad person. I don't view it the same way anymore, Travis. I look at quite often that's a person that hit their 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 brink and they're they're suffering. Right. The 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 job changes you. The trauma that you experience. I got I got almost beat to death when I was a police officer one night and I had my weapon pulled on me by by a suspect. And thank God, uh, another police officer showed up and and pretty much beat the sense out of him off of me. And I'm a big dude. I just the guy got the best of me. And uh, we had an old saying. It doesn't matter how big you are, how bad you are. There's always someone crazier and stronger, or all they got to do is hit the button on your chin, and it's lights it. out. And it doesn't matter how big and tough you are. If they if they get you the right spot, it could be it could be game over for you. Well, this guy was going back to prison, and I didn't know that that night. He told us afterwards that he was going to kill me because he didn't want to go to prison. And the reason I'm getting at this is right after that call, I had to go to a domestic violence call to arrest a man that just beat his wife. And then when I go to arrest him, he turns on me, she turns on me. Now you're fighting both of them. Right. So now I'm going to fight for my life again. And then after that call, 
I'm going to a bark and dog call, and heaven forbid I don't speak to the lady at the bark and dog call with the most appropriate kid gloves. And that's what happens to our police these days. They're just, there's so much stress. And they going into any situation, you know, they're in the fight for their life almost every single time, and, and the general public doesn't see that. But not getting off track to ask you, to answer your question how bad it got, I'm sitting in my um, living room one night crying, and I'm drunk. And I have my pistol in my mouth, and I'm dry firing it. And then I loaded it after dry firing it a few t- few times to find out exactly where the trigger pull was to make it click, make send the firing pin home. I I loaded it, did it, and I stopped just at the point where I felt like the gun was going to go off for whatever reason. I stopped, but I didn't want to be alive anymore, and I was putting myself in horrible situations that I don't. We don't have the time on the show to to talk about. It's all in the book that I wrote, though. I mean, horrible situations I was putting myself in to because I just didn't want to be alive. I was just a walking, soulless human being at that point. And later in life, again, after I quit comedy and I felt like I had no purpose in this life anymore because I tried to stay home from a family and I wasn't doing what I truly was meant to do, which was being out there doing comedy. I was in the woods with a gun in my hand again, getting ready to, to off myself. And then something magical happened when I was out there and it, and it made me realize like, hey, you're not done here and you have a new purpose. And that's what got me into motivational speaking and sharing my story and helping other people. By the way, get more details at his website, TravisHowes.com, H-O-W-Z-E.com. Earlier in the conversation, we talked about the trials and tribulations of, of running a business page in social media. And uh, I'm in a story just not that long ago. Go to LETRadioShow.com for news articles and whatnot. There's a story about it, uh, a police officer who died by suicide and he did it right in front of his family and someone commented that was mighty selfish of him and i I wanted so bad to just jump through the keyboard and say it's not a matter of selfishness anymore we have record numbers of law enforcement officers firefighters emts corrections officers and military veterans dying by suicide on a daily basis in the united states far more than are killed in action and it's not about being selfish it's about being damaged mentally uh so i write about this in my book too and you know i I talk about how people uh they associate suicide with being a coward and they just what you said selfish and i look at it completely opposite and this is how if you've never felt like ending your life then you have no opinion in this matter to me and the reason i say this is this thing gets so bad Nobody can see what you're going through. They don't understand it, Jay. It's like this. It's like you carry a 45. If I handed you a 45-pound plate from the gym right now and said, Jay, I want you to carry this for the rest of your life. When you go to the bathroom, when you go to eat, when you go out for entertainment, when you hang out with friends, when you go mow the grass, you have to carry this for the rest of your life. At some point, you get so exhausted and so tired from carrying that, you just want to put it down no matter what the cost. And that's what happens. In my case and many other cases, you get so beat down with this thing that you feel like your family is better off without you than with you. And until you've experienced that feeling, you wouldn't understand it. You know, so I can understand people that don't understand this saying that, but if you look at it that way, people that have have been on the other side of it, it's everything but selfish. It's the only way that they feel their family can actually thrive is without them in this life. With the current climate, it's so such an anti-police climate. 
and it's not just the air police anymore. It's our other first responders catching it as well. Firefighters, EMTs, uh, th- there's no break for any of them. I'm really concerned about the welfare of the men and women out there on the streets doing any kind of public service because it's like a slow boil. And eventually, if you have a lid on there, it's going to pop and it's going to be ugly. Do you have those same concerns? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I see what's going on. I can't, you can't deny it. It's, it's undeniable what's happening right now. And it's, it's just, you know, we can talk about this till we're blue in the face. It's obvious it's a lack of respect issue. It's a lack of respect for authority. And this is, in, in essence, it's all the children that were growing up who got trophies when they were younger. Now they're adults. And this is, this is the ramifications from that, from that era. And everybody just, they're running wild and there's nothing we can do because we're too worried about this PC culture. You know, we're worried about offending people versus doing the right thing. I don't know how you correct that. I, I have no idea, but I am certainly concerned. I mean, I have children too. So I mean, what do we do? All I can say is this. I, I don't have the answers, but I'm willing to say what needs to be said. I'm willing to step on toes. I'm willing to hurt people's feelings. If it's one, if it's what it's going to take to help save your life because quite often that's the scenario when we have little children uh we don't let them run out in traffic uh we scold them we make it as harsh as need be they really got to understand that it's life-threatening and the same situation with our first responders right now they're starting to have problems they need to understand it's life-threatening and to answer your question for a lot of people who don't have respect they don't want to learn it the hard way. This is the Law Enforcement Today Show. We're going to take a short break. We'll be right back. Are you wondering where you can find more great podcasts? Head to letradioshow.com, click Be Heard, and discover other fantastic podcasts like this one. Also available on our free app, all at letradioshow.com. Back to our conversation with Travis House on the Law Enforcement Today Show. Travis is former law enforcement officer, former firefighter, United States Marine Corps veteran, stand-up comedian, motivational speaker, and an author. As if that's not enough. Uh, as I said earlier, Travis, you make me feel like an underachiever. By the way, get more info about him at TravisHowes.com. One of the points earlier in the conversation, Travis, is that uh, you mentioned about a lot of people in public that seem to have, to be constantly offended, seem to be constantly angry, uh, having meltdowns uh, that they didn't, were never taught respect. When I grew up, we didn't make the team all the time. We got cut. The girl that, that we wanted to go on a date with said no. Uh, and you, you learned how to handle your, your failures with some sort of grace and your victories with some sort of dignity and not be a jerk. And we learned respect I hate to say it, if we were out of line with the guys we, we hung with, they taught us a lesson. If I was disrespectful to a neighborhood girl, her brothers and or the other guys in the neighborhood would teach me a lesson. We learned respect the hard way. I think a lot of people nowadays don't feel those repercussions. So what I'm hearing is everybody held you accountable. Exactly. No matter, no matter where you were in your life, whether it was family, whether it was friends, and that's the problem we have today. Nobody holds anybody accountable First and foremost, we should hold ourselves accountable. But like I say, we could talk about this till we're blue in the face because it it starts at home. And 
you know, I don't parent the same way a lot of parents do. I'm not saying you have to tower over your children, but I grew up very, very tough for the very tough man, and respect was a huge thing. You respected authority, you respected adults, and that was ingrained into you. So I didn't grow up essentially disrespecting authority and other adults and other people in general. And I raised my kids the same way. But when you look at the homes, fatherless homes, and or if there's fathers in homes, they're not doing what it takes to be an effective parent. And I think parents are being lazy today. And I see it because we have young kids and I see other parents. I see just how lazy parents are being. And I know the effort it takes to be a good, solid parent. But a lot of people aren't taking those steps because they just want to hand their kids a phone or, or some kind of device to just get their attention. You know, well, what I mean? think sometimes they they think their job is to be their friends and to be well thought of and, and liked by everybody. As a parent, it's not always your job. My daughters are adults now, and most of the time, the vast majority of the time, they think I'm a pretty decent guy. But that wasn't always the case because I was their dad, and sometimes I had to be the bad guy. You, you said it, Jay. I do a joke on stage right, where I talk about parents wanting to be their kids' friends. It's not our job to be their friends because if not, if we're their friends, you're not producing a good productive citizen. You need to be their parent first and foremost. When they're in their 30s, you can be their friends. I have, I have a funny story. I'm not, I can't tell the whole thing because of the time constraints. But a friend of mine, I watched his son um, disrespect him, and our friend told him he was, if he did it again, he's going to take a star out of his bucket. So essentially what he did, they reward him with good behavior. So if he's good, they put stars in his bucket. But if he's bad, they take the stars out. Now, when his bucket gets full of good stars, they buy him a toy. But I'm the opposite. You don't listen to me. I'm a slap this, you know what out of it. That's, that's it. There is no, there's, there's no warning. My kids know better. You don't take stars out of buckets. You put them in check. And that's the funny thing, Travis, is my daughters would tell you that I'm a disciplinarian. I'm a strict guy. But I've never been a hands-on kind of dad. I've never, I, I can recall twice having to spank them their entire lives. That was it. It was never, well, the corporal punishment wasn't a big part of it. But there were phone calls. There were boys who called the house. I say, boys, there were young men who called the house when they were teenagers, and they didn't get the best reception from their dad, meaning me. Uh, as a matter of fact, those guys never called back ever again. But that was part of my job as a parent. And, you know, in policing, same with firefighting, sometimes you got to tell people, look, you can't do that. You, you cannot do that. You, you want to express yourself, that's great. But you cannot do that or else I'm going to haul you off to jail. And that's part of my makeup. That's part of your makeup. But it seems like a lot of people don't get that message anymore. It's as if I can protest. I can walk in the street. I can go to your house. I can do whatever I want. I can spray paint your house. And there's nothing you can do about it. There's absolutely nothing you can do about it. And that's, that's the problem. And the truth is, Jay, there is nothing we can do about it. Look what they're doing. They're tying law enforcement's hands. These guys and girls out here, they're, they're having to put on their own handcuffs. How do you effectively police like that? I don't know, but I commend them. I told I told that recruit class in Jacksonville the other day, my hat is off to each and every one of you. It was dangerous when I was a cop, but doing it now, I could not imagine doing this job with my hands tied the way that their hands are tied. So hats off to every single one of them out there serving. And our politicians and our news media seem to be the driving force behind all this. Don't do anything because it'll create a bad image. Exactly. And everybody has a cell phone. Everybody's recording you. It cracks me up when I see somebody saying, 
oh, I'm recording this. Like, well, yeah, everybody's recording now. Like, <laughs> hang on, let me right. get my phone out. I record you recording me. How's that? Yeah, let's just record each other. We record. I remember going into my um, my squad meeting one night before we hit the streets. I was on midnight, and uh, my sergeant goes, "Hey, I got to warn you guys. There's some people out there. They have self. They have cameras in their cell phones now. We were taken back. We're like, what? We couldn't believe it. He's like, so be careful." When you're talking to these people, they could be filming you, and you not even know it. And now it's just a, that's a common thing now. Now I see a lot of departments, and there's still some that don't have them, body cameras, and they're they're issuing their their officers, and that uh, was supposed to be the big cure all for everything. Uh, and by the way, we don't have enough time for that conversation. But I would not be a cop today without a body camera video. I just would not because. It would have saved me from 99.9% of just the discourtesy complaints that, that were thrown my way. And that was constant. As a matter of fact, I'm sure this is the same way for you in, in South Carolina as it was in Maryland. If I had to lock up a drug dealer, the very first thing that the attorney told them was make a complaint against the officer for excessive force and discourtesy. That's every was, time. everything. Every time, yeah. That that body camera when they first came out, I, I was against it. I, I I thought I said, "Oh man, this is horrible." But now looking at it, that's the best thing that could happen for law enforcement. You know what? Because those police officers, you know as well as I do, man. Ninety nine percent of these guys and girls are out there doing their job to the T, to the letter, and they're not disrespecting anybody. They're just doing their job. But now they have they have evidence proof positive when a complaint comes in you know i wish we'd have had those when i was in saved me a lot of trips upstairs to dancing in front of the man <laughs> absolutely well before we run out of time where can people get more information about your stand-up comedy your books and whatnot so you can just go to google and put my name in and find all the different outlets uh, my name is travis t-r-a-v-i-s h-o-w-z-e my book is called create your own light subtitled finding post-traumatic purpose and I, I got to brag a little bit here, Jay. So when I wrote this book, I had a couple publishing companies wanting to do it for me, uh, but I chose this. This was never about money for me. I just wanted to do it and make it as authentic as possible. I didn't want suits involved. I just wanted to put put out there my personal experiences and how trauma affected my life and how I was able to get it back on track. And the book has taken off. It has gotten into the communities very deeply in emergency services and military communities, and I couldn't be more thankful because it's it truly is helping some people because they see it coming from a guy like me and they're like, Hey, if you can do it, I can do it too. And there's no shame in being broken. The, the shame is being broken and not fixing yourself. That's where the shame comes in. Absolutely. So it's okay to not be okay sometimes. And that's what got me on this platform of motivational speaking where I speak all around the country now on these topics. So uh, find me on social media. Uh, again, Instagram is the one I'm really pushing uh, because my Facebook page is capped with followers. You can't, I guess, you can't have. But we'll have to have a conversation about the difference between a business page and, and a personal page. Travis, yeah. thanks so much for being a guest on the show. Very much appreciated. Thank you so much. And I hope everybody out there has a good time and be safe, please. If you'd like to get more information about the Help for Our Heroes program, whether it be for substance abuse, PTSD, PTSD-related issues, just go to the Law Enforcement Today Radio Show Facebook page. On Facebook, that's a Law Enforcement Today Radio Show. Click like. Send us a message. 
When you click send message, once you get through all the welcome information, just type in help for heroes. That's help for heroes in the messenger on the Law Enforcement Today radio show Facebook page. If you haven't done so already, please download our app. It's 100% free. We got versions for your Android and iPhone devices, 100% free. You can download them today at our website, which is letradioshow.com. That's letradioshow.com. Be sure to get yours today. There's a huge amount of interest in true crime story podcasts. So we started a new one called True Crime Fighters Podcast. Very few of the true crime podcasts tell the stories of the heroes that fight horrific crime. Whether it be law enforcement officers or everyday citizens, we tell their stories on the True Crime Fighters podcast. Each episode, no longer than 15 minutes. Do a Google search for True Crime Fighters podcast. Subscribe today for free or be sure to check us out on Facebook. Do a search for True Crime Fighters podcast. I'd like to thank our guests so much for coming on the Law Enforcement Today show. Got another great guest in your way next week. Don't miss it. Until then, this is John J. Wiley. See ya.